This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go. And welcome back to the credentials, NFL agent study edition. <laughs> <laughs> And we have a great study session in store for you today on the Credentials NFL Agent Edition. This is, like once again, a mini-series that will be chronicling my journey towards taking the NFLPA Agent Certification Test in August. So, today, we will be learning about... Grievances, termination pay, waivers, and injury settlements. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, in case you are new to the NFL Agent Mini Edition series, so basically what's going to go on is Every week, I get weekly questions from my prep course, and what I do on this series is I basically remix the questions and share my thought process on how I go about solving the answers to the questions and the background on the questions, because basically the questions are based on things that agents should know about. So, who's ready? All right, all right, all right. Okay, all right. I like it. Good crowd. <laughs> so, let's start. Number one. Frank Franklin signed a five-year, $50 million deal with Green Bay Packers in 2018, containing a $15 million signing bonus. Franklin suffered a season-ending neck injury during the second game of the 2020 regular season, which required spinal fusion surgery. He diligently follows Green Bay's treatment plan for his injury. The Packers released Franklin on June 3, 2021 with a failed failed physical designation. Franklin doesn't ever sign with an NFL sign with another NFL contract team because teams doesn't sign another NFL tongue twister okay so the the Packers released Franklin on June 3rd 2021 with a failed physical designation right Franklin doesn't ever sign with another NFL team because they won't clear him to play what are Green Bay's salary cap charges for 2021 relating to Franklin? So, basically, this has to deal with injury protection. Since there are years left on the contract after he was released, right, with 2021 and 2022 left on the contract so 
Since there are years left in the contract, this goes down to injury protection, which is Article 45. And in that, in that article, it basically says that if it's a situation like this and, he, and the player follows proper protocol, which this player did, proper protocol includes diligently following Green Bay's treatment plan, getting the required surgery, and failing the designated physical in June. So in this situation, injury protection guarantees the player up to $2 million of his P5 salary. And the way that works for the salary cap charge, though, is the team is only charged 1.2 of that $2 million. The rest of it is treated as a player benefit cost. Now, keep in mind, this $2 million is only if the player doesn't have their base salary guaranteed for injury. So if they don't have it guaranteed for injury, still contract years left, like this player, then it becomes a injury uh, protection benefit situation. So going back to the question, right, how much is Green Bay salary cap charge? So you would do $1.2 million, which is from the injury protection, as I just mentioned. And remember, he's a post-June 2nd cut. So going back to previous study sessions, you will remember that with post-June 2nd, Cut, uh, yeah, player cuts. Signing bonus is not all accelerated into the first year. It gets spread over two years, right? So this is the first year of the two-year plan. So instead of it being six million because the signing bonus prorated is three million per year, so instead of it being six million for the two years left, it's three million. So the three million from the signing bonus proration plus the $1.2 million from the injury protection benefit that's charged to the cap, you get $4.2 million. <laughs> Okay, number two. The New York Giants signed Greg Gregory to a one-year contract in 2020. He tore an Achilles in Week 17. Gregory was placed on injured reserve, underwent reconstructive knee surgery, and started rehab. Ah. When Gregory's contract expired at the end of the 2020 league year, he still needed medical care for his injury. What should Gregory do to preserve his right to have the Giants pay for the medical care? Retake two. Number two, the New York Giants signed Greg Gregory to a one-year contract in 2020. He tore an Achilles in Week 17. He was placed on injury reserve, 
underwent reconstructive knee surgery and started rehab. When Gregory's contract expired at the end of the 2020 league year, he still needed medical care for his injury. What should Gregory do to preserve his right to have the Giants pay for the medical care? A. File a workers' comp compensation claim against the Giants. B. File a non-injury grievance against the Giants to enforce Article 39 of the CBA. C. File an injury grievance against the Giants to enforce Paragraph 9 of his NFL player contract. D. File a workers' compensation claim against the NFL. E. Nothing. So, the answer to this can be found in Article 41. And the reason why it's Article 41, because it has to deal with workers' compensation. The reason why it's a workers' compensation compensation situation is because his contract is expired. So, technically, he would be a restricted free agent or unrestricted free agent or an exclusive player at this present moment. So, since he's not under contract, he has to file a workers' compensation claim because right now, no team is obligated to take care of him. Now, the answer to this would be A, because when you file a workers' compensation claim, you don't file it against the NFL, you file it against the individual team that you were last on. So, if the same situation happened and he was had contract years, then he would have to actually do nothing because you're covered. Based on the contract, the contract automatically basically covers your medical experiences, your medical expenses. Now, if the team, when you're still in the contract, if they weren't taking care of their responsibilities of getting you back healthy, then you'd have to file an injury grievance. Number three. The Houston Texans, Denver Broncos, San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, Arizona Cardinals, and Miami Dolphins had 4 and 12, 5-11, 6-12, 7-9, 8-8, 9-7, and 10-6 records respectively in 2021. The 20 in 2020, the 2021-21 regular season begins on September 9th. These six teams each put in a waiver claim for a player released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on September 24th. The Texans are 3-0 at the time. The Cardinals, 49ers, and Patriots are 2-1. The Dolphins are 1-2, and and the Broncos are 0-3. Which team is awarded the player through waivers? Now, this is based on Article 29. And basically, Article 29 talks about the waiver wire order. And what it says is, from the last, well, basically up until the last game in the third week of the regular season, 
the waiver wire is based on win-loss record from the previous year with least to best record getting the highest picks. And then after the third, the final game in the third regular season, which is generally September 27th, what happens is from then on, then the waiver wire is based on current season win-loss record from least to best. So in this question, last year, the Texans had a 4-12 record. And since it's before September 27th, because the player was released on September 24th, the Texans would have first dibs. Number four. Howard Howard has 10 accrued and credited seasons. The Dallas Cowboys signed Howard to the practice squad on September 6th. Howard is elevated to the Cowboys' active and active list for the season opener on September 12th and paid $59,722 for the game. One week of his $0.075 million league minimum salary. On September 14th, Dallas signs Howard to a one-year contract listing a $3.6 million base salary. Howard is active on game day in each of the three weeks he plays under this contract before being cut by the Cowboys the day after the fourth game of the season, October 4th, 2021. He doesn't sign with another team during the 2021 season. Howard hasn't previously filed for termination pay. How much termination pay can Howard collect? Hmm. Hmm. So, the way this works, this is actually uh, Article 30, and it deals with termination pay. So, the way this works is if the player is on the opening day roster as active on the 53, right? If that is the situation, then for termination pay, he is entitled to the remaining balance of his P5 salary whenever he is released. And for termination pay, the player can only do this basically one time with a couple of exceptions. Now, if he isn't, which in this case he isn't because he's a practice squad player call-up, and since it's not under, since it's not, yeah, and since it's under two games, he's technically still a practice player, right? So he's not active on a 53-man roster technically. So he's a regular season signing. So since he's a regular season signing, there's a formula that you use to calculate how much termination pay he is owed. Now, to start off, what you do is you figure out what week he assigned to active roster. In this example, 
He is signed to the active roster September 14th, which is the second week of the season. So that's week two. Then you multiply the base salary by weeks left. He can earn for termination pay. He can earn termination pay on, I should say. Then you multiply that number by 35% because players can only earn money based on the initial 35% of the season. So in this situation, you would do 3.6 million times 7 eighteenths because he would only technically be eligible on 17 out of the 18 regular season weeks since he wasn't on the active day roster. And for instance, if he was signed week three, then it would be six, 16 out of 18, 16 eighteenths, and so on and so forth. So, like I said, you do 3.6 million times basically 94%, which gives you 3.4 million. And then you do that 3.4 million times that initial 35% of the season, which would give you 1 million. 190,000 then you subtract that amount by base pay earned while he was on the active uh, roster since his base pay is 3.6 million divide that by 18 over 18 weeks that means he was earning 200,000 a week since he was on the roster for three weeks that's 600,000 so now you do the 1 million 190,000 Subtracted by 600,000, which would give you 590,000. Now you compare that with a player with seven credited seasons and two weeks' pay at the vet minimum, which, going back to the example, would be $59,722 per week. And you compare and see which one is more, the 35%. Formula or the two weeks. So in this case, it would be 590,000 versus 119,444. And the answer is pretty self-explanatory, right? 590,000. Number five. Hank Henry has five credited seasons. Cleveland Browns released him following the fifth game of the regular of the 2021 regular season on October 12th, 2021. The trading deadline is on November 2nd, 2021. What is the earliest Henry can sign a new contract? Is based on Article 29. Immediately once he clears immediately A B once he clears waivers, C the Monday following the next regular season game. D, at the end of the regular season, E, 72 hours after being released. So this is based on Article 29, which is, once again, waivers. And the way this works is from after the Super Bowl to November 2nd, four or more accredited seasons are classified as unrestricted free agents, essentially. (laughs) I'm sorry to drag that out so long. 
But basically, yeah, they are considered unrestricted free agents. And then if you have under four, then you have to go through the waiver system. And after November 2nd, now everybody is going through the waiver system no matter what. So, based on what I said, if he has five credited seasons, the answer is A. Immediately. Number six. Gabe Gabriel signed a one-year contract with the Tennessee Titans in March 2021. The deal had a $6 million signing bonus and a $3.5 million base salary. Gabe starts Tennessee's first six games of the season. He is released the Tuesday after Week 6's games, October 19, 2021. Which of the following statements is true? Once again, this is going back to termination pay. A. Gabe is entitled to the unpaid balance of the initial 35% of the P5 salary or two-week salary, whichever is greater. B. He is entitled to the unpaid balance of his paragraph 5. C. He is entitled to the unpaid balance of the initial 25% of his P5 salary or one-week salary up to the minimum salary for a player with 10 or more credited seasons, whichever is greater. Or D. Gabe is entitled to termination pay because his signing bonus is greater than the unpaid balance of his paragraph 5 salary. So, if you were... Being mindful of listening to the explanation of the previous questions, then you would know that the answer is B. Gabe is entitled to the unpaid balance of his paragraph 5 salary. Why is that? That is because he was on the active 53-man roster during the first game of the season. Right, <laughs> so that's how that one goes. Number seven. Isaac Isaacs suffers an ankle injury in the Cincinnati Bengals' final preseason game. The Bengals and Isaac agent agreed to an injury settlement covering the first three games of the regular season. At what point during this regular season may Isaacs resign with the Bengals? After Cincinnati's ninth regular season game, A. After Cincinnati's sixth regular season game, B. Not until the 2021 regular season ends, C. After Cincinnati's third regular season game, D. Or after Cincinnati's 11th regular season game, E. Now, this is basically based on the injury settlement. Uh memo and rules so basically in that memo statement it says that when a player and a team agree on an injury settlement that player can only resign with the team once three weeks has passed since the injury settlement has ended so, to go 
make that make sense for this question. The Bengals and Isaacs agreed to an injury settlement covering the first three regular season games. Right? So the first three games he's out. He then has to wait another three weeks because you have to wait three weeks since the settlement has ended before you can resign with that previous team. So you do another three weeks. So three plus three is six. So that means he can resign with the Bengals after the sixth regular season game. Right? So number eight. Jimmy James has three credited seasons. He is on the L.A. Rams 53-man roster for the first five games of the 2021 season. On the Wednesday before L.A.'s sixth regular season game of the season, James is waived. He clears waivers and doesn't sign another contract for the rest of the season. Which of the following is true? A. James receives five game checks and doesn't earn an accrued season. B. James receives six game checks and doesn't earn an accrued season. C. James receives five game checks and earns an accrued season. D. James receives six game checks and earns an accrued season. E. James receives 18 game checks and earns an accrued season. Now, for this question, what's important here is to know that to get an accrued season, going back to the previous study sessions, you need six games on the active 53-man roster or six games on IR or six games on the PUP or a six-game injury settlement. So, this player is released before he gets to a sixth game. So, that means he doesn't get an accrued season in this season. Ah. So, he does, though, get his six game checks because he is cut on Wednesday. And since he got cut on Wednesday, it means he got paid because players get paid every Tuesday at 4 p.m. So, if he would have got cut Tuesday, 3.58, then he wouldn't have got paid. But since he got cut Wednesday, he got paid for that week. So the answer would be, B, James receives six game checks and doesn't earn an accrued season. Number nine. Jeff Jeffries hurts his left shoulder in the Pittsburgh Steelers 2021 season opener. The team doctor's prognosis is Jeffries will miss four to six weeks with the injury. Jeffries had a right shoulder injury in his rookie year that feels similar to the current injury. That injury required season-ending surgery. If Jeffries wants to get a second medical opinion at Pittsburgh's expense, he must 
A, choose from the NFL NFLPA list of approved second medical opinion doctors. B, schedule an appointment with a doctor of Pittsburgh's choice and provide them with a copy of the doctor's report. C, receive written permission from Pittsburgh to get the second opinion and give a copy of the second opinion doctor's report to the Pittsburgh Steelers team doctor. D. Verbally inform Pittsburgh of his choice on a second opinion doctor and verbally convey the second opinion doctor's diagnosis to the Pittsburgh team doctor within one week of getting the second opinion. E. Consult with Pittsburgh's team doctor in advance of the second opinion and provide a copy of the second medical opinion doctor's report to the team. Oh, that was wordy. Give it up for me saying all that. So, in this situation, you would use Article 39, player's right to a second medical opinion. And in there, it's pretty straightforward that the answer is E, consult with Pittsburgh's team doctor in advance of the second opinion and provide a copy of the second second medical opinion doctor's report to the team. So in other words, when a player wants to do a second opinion, they just have to consult with the team doctor in advance and provide a copy of the report. That way, it gets documented and proper protocols can take place. And finally, number 10. Jordy Jordan suffers an ankle injury in the Seattle Seahawks practice on August 25th. The team doctor suggests Jordan sit out of practice for the next two weeks so he will be ready for the regular season opener on September 12th. The Seahawks release Jordan on September 5th. He clears waivers. Jordan's ankle is sore during workouts to stay ready in case a team wants him to try out or sign him so he takes two weeks off from training after getting released. When Jordan resumes workouts, his ankle is still hurting. If Jordan wants to file a grievance, what is the deadline? A, Jordan doesn't have grounds to file a grievance. B, Jordan missed the deadline. C, September 30th. D, October 8th. E, October 25th. So, in this situation... You would be checking under the injury grievance statutes or article, I should say, which is Article 44. And essentially, in Article in Article 44, what it says is you have to... Basically, file before 25 days have passed since you were released. So, 
The Seahawks released Jordan on September 5th. So, 25 days from September 5th is September 30th. Now we are finished. So, thank you for joining me on another edition of the NFL Agent Study Session Edition. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, in this chat, in this study session, we went over grievances, we, we went over termination pay, we went over waivers, and we went over injury settlements. Thank you. I hope you learned something. I hope you gained a fun fact. I hope you get better perspective on things to think about as an agent. And also, if you have aspirations of playing professional sports and you're listening to this, I hope you have a better understanding of just how... tough it is to earn a way of living in in this profession and how serious you have to be and how intentional you have to be in 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 knowing and playing by the rules and and using strategy to to get what you want and staying on top of your responsibilities So, with all that being said, this is the Credential Show. Thank you for joining. See you next week. And we're out. Goodbye. Generational Sports Partnerships and Productions appreciates you viewing and or listening to this original content series. Let this empower you towards positive action. Now let's be great.